0: Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best.
1: Well, they didn't freaking make
0: it! So here's what you get from Canada Ryan and Jason. Welcome to another episode of the Worst of the Best podcast. I am your host Ryan, and with me today is Jason. Jason, how you doing? Good, brother. How are you? Good. Uh, how do you? Uh, how do you consider your private life? Pretty private. Yes, but I know it's really
1: not. If people wanted to know a lot more about me, they there are ways in which they can do that.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting concept that we're going to be talking about today, how technology essentially has more or less destroyed our privacy. We're going to get into 10 specific examples of how we're not living off the grid. And often when people say, I want to live off the grid, even when you think you're off the grid, it might be harder to live off the grid than you even think. So, If you're involved in society in any real way, such as
1: even having bank accounts, if you're employed, all those processes to get do those things you're exposing yourself to risk of your privacy being or having lack of privacy i I guess is the best way to say it
0: yeah nowadays when i think of privacy i'm just thinking is somebody seeing me go poop (laughs) 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 let's get to the point now where i don't even know if i can go to a public bathroom shower facility you know how i live my life i just live my life like everything i'm saying doing it it's being recorded and it is even before we release this on iTunes, people have already heard the podcast. That's how much privacy we could probably think we're ha- Like right now, we're operating through an app called Discord, which I want to plug. I've just started plugging on our last episode, so I want to keep plugging in and maybe eventually we'll get some people joining. There might be a couple of listeners who enjoy Discord or want to try it out. Discord is where you can see me and Jason or any of my guest co-hosts that come on the show. You get to watch us live and interact with us live as we record. So things that don't make the edit, as you could say, or you can be part of the conversation via text in the chat. We can talk about what you're saying during the podcast discussion. You can be a part of the discussion. If that's something that interests you, join our Discord. The link is in every uh, podcast episode description from here on out.
1: What might be interesting in that, just as you were saying that, is people can express what their worst or the best is. At the end, we can...
0: Say Charlie uh, says that their worst yeah. pick is XYZ. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's right. So if you want to tell us your worst pick... And be part of that discussion. Come on an episode and we'll love to have you on. How it works, too, is when you're part of the Discord community, we will like announce in that server, like, hey, we're going to go live Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you mm. know, LA time or whatever. And you'll get that announcement so you can join. You can plan your day or afternoon or know that you can be around for that. So right now we have nobody. In our Discord, other than the couple co hosts that I've had that have used it to co host with me. So, if you want to be a part of that and kind of be a part of the audience and uh, yeah, give us your worst pick live on air, join that. So, check out the description below. And if that doesn't make sense, you can email us at if you want to send us an email for any questions, comments, or uh, topics you'd like us to cover. Worst of the best podcast at gmail.com. Again, check the show notes for that email. Leave us a review on iTunes, whatever platform you listen to us on as well, because Again, we have more listeners that we have reviews. We'd love to hear from you and help support the show and get us up there a little bit on the charts as they say. Well, no emails to read this time though, Jason. We're just ready to rock and roll on this topic. So again, this is ten ways that technology has destroyed our privacy. Now, everyone is entitled to the right of privacy. It's a fundamental, I would say, human right. We should have the expectation that our lives are private, from our bathroom duties to our bedroom activities to changing to our conversations with our spouse uh, or loved one or family members or friends at home when you're watching a hockey game or football game you're under the impression that whatever you know stays in vegas you know or sorry happens in vegas stays in vegas or happens in your home stays in your home so technology though it does have many benefits but it hasn't helped maintain or keep privacy in fact if anything its development has further brought confusion into understanding what privacy as a fundamental human right is now because back in the you think about back in the Leave It to Beaver days and before, that's the way it was. You know, when you go home and talk to the misses or the kids or whatever it was your neighbor, you knew you were never being recorded or being watched. There's no CCTV cameras or people's dashboard cameras or there's just nothing. The only witnesses were whoever was around.
1: Everything today is recorded in in some way. If you if you have your phone on you and it is turned on and even We've talked about this before in other podcasts. The telephones, even when turned off, still have the ability to track where you are. So at bare minimum, if you have a phone on you, an Apple Watch, a smartwatch
0: or a watch with a GPS, you're being tracked and traced in some way, right? So remember like when you and I were teenagers and kids, like, you know, from you know the 80s to late 90s. Nothing was recorded, nothing was replayed, and then slowly CCTV cameras came up, you know, or a camera. I remember when cameras at intersections became a big deal. Like, whoa, they can film you driving? That's crazy. But now that's just everywhere. Every store you walk into, everything's been recorded. All right, so the widespread security issues continue to undermine the protection of privacy, so they need constant control and surveillance of what happens in this world. Given the many benefits of technology, privacy is often overlooked despite its significance. So now Jason and I are going to go through what are 10 ways technology has destroyed that privacy.
1: So what's interesting, just before we get into the actual list, is they often use the idea that your safety and your, secu- your actual personal security or country security is at risk if they don't creep into your private life. Yeah. Where was the risk 25 years ago? Like, think- where they're going like, we really need a way to tap into these people even more than we are because, you know... Secure, like, are we more secure as a country or as a nation or as an individual with our privacys being eroded? It doesn't feel more secure. it actually feels less secure right. and it feels like we've created concerns that weren't there before. No. These are issues that were never of a of a concern, so they could still have ways in trying to get your bank accounts information
0: there'd right. be be a little bit more archaic well back are in we, the day, of course, I mean when a bank robber robbed the bank, they took the physical cash, right? They'd go into the bank and take the cash from the vault or maybe it was your cash that got robbed or your jewels from the safe got robbed. Nowadays, yeah, it's online identity. People hack your passwords and your bank accounts via technology. So again, that's the flip side of technology. Now it's more convenient to bank at home, but people can now just rob from their computer to your computer, right? Seems like they can get way more. Sure. The what's in the physical, yeah, because you could hide money under your mattress, so to speak, back in the day. Or I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a correlation between the advancement of the cell phone and technology and home computers and with 9/11. Like, think of 2001. Now, granted, there were home computers before 2001, the internet, but even back then, the internet was still kind of in its infancy as far as a widespread. Everyone had it in their home. Certainly, nobody had it in their hand. Right? It was in their home, but. I remember the early cell phones. Oh, look at that. I can check the news. It was just very like the headline text news, right? What I'm getting at, I think there's a correlation. Is it, I think it's a conspiracy theory talk. But there seems to be a correlation between the events of 9-11 and the need for, quote-unquote, strengthen our security and the advancement of technology at the same time. It's, it is an odd timing that cell phones and smartphones and everything else went increase as well as the uh, Patriot Act of – we can listen and look. Everything seemed to be more like, we're doing this, yeah, like you're saying, just in the name of security. But now no one has any privacy. The time, because we're all scared of another terrorist attack, we're all like, okay, that sounds good. And I feel like we've never recovered it, and there's never been an attack since. So I almost feel like, can we go back to, well, like...
1: <laughs> now we've been dealing with the surveillance, you know, because of COVID. There's this extra layer of surveillance. It's a different type of surveillance, but they're using... Surveillance to, the whole world is under attack of this virus. We all have to be tested and, you know, proof of vaccination to travel and, you know, all these other areas of, you know, uh, security concerns, public safety concerns, you know, health concerns. We just have been inundated with another version of our privacy and personal autonomy to a whole nother level on top of the Patriot Act. At what point can we just like just live and just not be so ultra concerned about please help me be more secure? I don't know if I really feel the need to be more secure. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. I know what you're saying. <laughs>
0: stop stop saving me. I don't <laughs> yeah, need to be saved I, don't need, I don't need to be micromanaged. Yeah. I'm okay. I'll take my chances. If somebody at home invades me, I'll just. Do my best to kick the crap out of them, but more cameras on the street isn't gonna stop that anyway. So at some point of that, I don't even I'll take my chances to go back to the 80s in some ways of just I'll go in the world and just go about my day and I don't need every every camera on every movement of my life. Okay, let's go into this. Yeah. You got number 10.
1: The untold side of biometric scanners. So you know, we all know about biometric security now. Um, we all have it on our phones, every different way in which we can log into something, can use a formal biometrics, fingertips, our eyes, our face, even like food court services, like there's one at, at work where there's uh, that use your thumbprint. You set it up and use your thumbprint to pay for your, if somebody wants to buy a chocolate bar or something in the food cafeteria, i in the work cafeteria. Little things like that where we are now being our bodies are being used to identify or ways in which to secure air quote secure, secured uh, secure our privacy. If that makes any sense at all. So, you know, first it was always like these passwords, and the passwords become more and more complicated, right? You know, like beginning of the yeah, oh, it's funny, I just used one, two, three, four, whatever, you know, these lame combinations. And then they made it more difficult and more and more difficult. Now Google, you know, or you know, maybe even Apple. They come up with their own security passwords for you and we'll save that password for you so you don't have to remember it, but it's really secure. It's so secure until Google gets hacked and then their password that they use to secure your data. Biometrics isn't as secure as people say it is, though, either. They have shown, like, I've seen videos of where they take pictures off of somebody's Facebook, they can do an iris scan of your face and they can. Copy your eye to crack an iris like on a samsung phone lifted fingerprints off off of something and they can open up an iphone so all these biometrics to protect our data and our privacy really isn't as unhackable as we might think it is i think it's more in in some ways it's more of a convenience you don't have to remember passwords but the downfall right. to that is is which I thought was an interesting point is you can always change your password. Okay. You can't change your face, your iris, your fingerprint. Yeah. You know your heartbeat or whatever else that they might end up trying
0: to use as a biometric security lock. I remember in movies and stuff back in the course of the '80s and '90s when we saw like, oh, the eye scan. The yeah, the eye scan. We thought that was so. Ooh, that's so futuristic. It's like now, now you just use that to open your phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even wearing sunglasses or a baseball cap, it still figures out a way to know that it's you.
0: Yeah. They have it for masks now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which essentially would be your eyes, I guess. I would think, yeah. When it asked me, do you want to do it with the mask? I'm like, nope. I oh, will... I've never been asked that. Oh, the iPhone asks you if you want to set it up with a mask. Oh, on. I haven't seen that, yeah. And I'm like, no. Because I like to believe no. I'm not going to be doing this every day. Like, come on. Really? So, biometric identification is convenient. But is our personal data safe? Companies using this tech have to ensure that biometric data is securely stored and encrypted. Ideally, on end-user devices and not in some cloud. This makes it harder for hackers to get to. Unfortunately, that's not always done. A team of Israeli researchers managed to hack into a 23-gigabyte database with over 27 million records, containing fingerprints, facial profiles and much more. But, of course, password databases have also been compromised. Beyond large-scale hacks, there's also a risk of individual systems and devices being cracked. And I'm a bit worried about how successful hackers have been at outwitting biometrics. Even with biometrics, it's not safe. This is, again, that balance, like, like you're saying, what's the point?
1: I think there's something, honestly, a little bit more, if we want to go a little conspiratorial, I think it's a little bit more nefarious. I think they're actually collecting information about our biometrics. Not yeah. just using biometrics as a way to protect your privacy or your data or your banking information or whatever. But I think it's a way to collect in general populations health, heart rates, whatever it might be to glean information about who we actually are on mass. Sure. Maybe not as individuals, but I think as the population if you were say for an example to create a virus wouldn't you want to know what in general the health rhythms the circadian rhythms or whatever it might be about people in general and how to inflict the most harm on those people where are the weak points in an individual's health so by using biometrics on a large scale i think they are collecting data on you know i don't think they are collecting data on a large scale like all these i wear a smart watch sure and when i go on a hike you know you record your hike and your heart rate and your calories burn and everything else that information isn't just for your your own personal information that information is being collected and so i think biometrics is more than just let's help you be secure
0: all right big one big one well, the next one i've got is uh, voice in- interception now what this is have you ever heard jason of lawful interception Probably a stateside oh. term, lawful interception. Well, this is lawful interception, or LI, allows law enforcement to eavesdrop on users of communication networks, provided, of course, the law enforcement individuals have the mandate to do so. This means a government agent could walk into a mobile center carrier and, it, and demand access to the channel and supporting data. With these, the agent could listen to conversations of the people of interest without their knowledge. Like being bugged, essentially. While this technology can help solve crimes, it can be exploited, of course, if people with wrong intentions gain access to it, and they mostly do. So imagine, Jay, you're sitting in your house talking to a family member or a loved one, talking about all the things that even the walls must not hear, only to notice that a third party is listening to your conversation. Or you're uh, passing critical information to a colleague or partner, only for someone else to tap into your discussion. Many people have lost their properties and money through these voice interception apps. So mobile phones are perfect for communication, however, users should know obviously they risk privacy breaches while on them. So there is lawful interception, yes, which is police bug. But I would assume and what this is saying, what we're saying here is the same technology that can be the we were a person of interest, and the cops were listening to us, sure. But that same technology, Jason, is used by people who don't have <laughs> – they're not law right. enforcement. They have the technology. They can tap into you. That's why, like for example, I know with Becky, my wife, we'll change a password or something. We try very hard to literally never say it out loud, especially text or voice over the phone. It's literally like written down on a piece of paper, old school.
1: Thanks for the heads
0: up. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's in my so- drawer at home, top drawer. <laughs> Your sock drawer Yep. Moment
1: Kick idler Computer surveillance software Automatically generates alerts If certain employee violations occur
0: Right now We are in the section called tracker That lets you view online broadcasts From the monitors of employees In real time In each of those quad units There is an employee Who is being observed
1: This is what like a security guard Would look like a Surveillance right How does this make anyone
0: More productive Shouldn't the person watching this just heard was the idea that at kind of in ties with the voice interception, it's also like workplace interception. Essentially, if any of our listeners use a computer at work, there's a chance that you have somebody overlording you watching your activity on your computer.
1: Yes, that is very real. I know of companies that there's people who have a job and their job is to monitor the computers and internal communications, so that things, you know, that are being discussed. Are allowed to be discussed, you know, it could be like say a weapons manufacturing or, um, whatever high end equipment or satellite equipment or whatever it might be. They don't want people talking about it, project and, and all the rest. And so they are be monitored in that anything that you say outside of work. If while you are working and you are being mindful of, Oh, I'm not going to talk about the work that we're doing, but you say something say on a private level. Say you talked about a date or something, there'll be people who are monitoring those conversations and they can have access to, you know, personal information about who you are and what you might be doing outside of work. I don't know. That's
0: yeah, who watches the watchers, as they say, yeah, like it's, it's just what, those people yeah. that are watching your computer activity, and they're not doing anything on their phones. Or t- you know what I mean? It gets to the point, like, can we just all stop? I know, can we just stop? Yeah. I'm glad the internet exists. We get our podcast out there. But other than that, there's times I just, it's just, sometimes I just, yeah, I wish it didn't exist. If I ever heard there's a great internet meltdown, I'd be like, okay, all right, so be it. Speaking of the internet, Jay, these people probably wish it didn't exist. You want to talk about number eight? Uh, the internet doesn't forget, nor is it ever full.
1: Yeah. And
0: I find that very interesting. It will never be full. Yeah. but How's that possible? That's, uh, in- but in theory, like your hard drive on your computer has a limit. The Information doesn't store nowhere. It has to store somewhere. So, is the storage that's physically made for the internet endless? Well, it can be. Just keep making more. Build another hard drive. You can just build another building that stores servers. When I put something in the cloud, they own that space. Like I'm renting that space from them, right? Yeah. But they have to have a physical thing that holds that still, right? It's still the, yes. it's the cloud. Like I mean, I don't have any physical hardware holding that information. But, right, but they are. But they have to have – it. Can't just. it's not literally in space. It has to be <laughs> held into something, right? Am I crazy here? Right, yeah, no. Okay, no, that's, so that's – yeah. In theory, could information be so vast and big that there would have to be a limit to it that can be held, like a physical thing?
1: Well, as you long know, as there's your access to electricity and the ability to make a hard drive and land – And just land, stack
0: one top of another, I guess? Just stack, just keep stacking, yeah. They're just <laughs> buildings full of servers. <laughs> that's insane it is weird how much servers and hard drives are out there storing all this stuff what if there is
1: what if there is like a terrorist attack say where these google like these servers where this information is being saved just drop a bomb on one of these buildings
0: yeah it's very possible
1: a cloud wherever the cloud you know this is google cloud building and somebody just dropped a bomb in google's cloud building i hadn't ever
0: thought of that before oh no you put it out there oh boy he heard it here first, folks. That all these terrorists, like we have never thought of that. <laughs> this is bomb servers. Okay, we'll talk about what's some of the issues we have with the internet Jay. What's oh yeah,
1: some- yeah? I mean, obviously, you know, the internet doesn't forget. We know of celebrities and document leaks, and celebrities and their nudes, or <laughs> document leaks, and you know, even now the most mundane viral video, right? right. It's there on the internet. And you just scroll for hours. Instagram Reels, Facebook what's Facebook version of Reels, a
0: Facebook Live, I think,
1: or, or Shorts or Shorts, yeah, Facebook or, or not yeah. YouTube Shorts. Any anyway, rate, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, they yeah, all people have. People will this live ability. stream
0: something and then they'll take it down. Let's say, oh, I shouldn't have, but it's still somehow it's always out there, It's cached somewhere. Yeah, you know uh, what? What are they, the callback machine or the? Yeah.
1: there's a way that the internet stores itself and people have the ability to go back in time and, and collect it's kind of like a, a computer um if you were to to do an update or something on your computer but you can you can fall back to the original oh uh, reformat a, is that what they call it reformat no, or factory reset or almost like a factory reset uh, no but it's a it's in case the update screws up
0: oh when you save it it's like a checkpoint or something they call it.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
0: I forget. There's a I, word done, I used to do those old atomic time computers. I haven't done that yeah. in years. It's weird. Computers are just better now. Yeah, I haven't done that. so many things. I haven't done that in forever, but so like you know early I'm 2000, talking about. Early there's, 2000 there's, computers, yeah. I remember doing that all the time. Oh, you better, you better <laughs> back that up. Anyways, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the internet's always backing itself up, right? Sure. To a point, I suppose. Uh, and then people have i think it's called a callback machine well weird. The there ad- is
0: like there are sites or something where it's called like archive or something where so it's like the web page doesn't exist but it does exist if you go to the
1: <laughs> i yeah. I, don't,
0: I don't understand that how
1: I've never looked into it enough that's does that make sense what I'm saying like
0: yeah www.greenfrogs.com was a big website back in 1998 or 99 And then it's not active anymore, but you can still see what it was with the Wayback Machine or something. It's called for the the Wayback Machine. That's what it is. The Wayback
1: Machine. This everything is stashed and cached and saved.
0: Have you ever seen Jason the first picture on the internet? Talk about never forget. You want to see it? I'll show it to you. Keep talking, but I'll show it to you live here on camera. But there's you can actually what was the first picture uploaded on the internet? And it's there. It's (laughs) here's what is the first (laughs) picture on the internet? If I remember correctly, yeah, it's right here.
1: No. Yes. No way. I was going
0: to say it's four ladies. Yeah. So here we go. It's 24 years. Well, it's four, uh, you know, young ladies wearing like prom dresses. So on July 18th of 1992, the first picture was uploaded on the web. The photo that captured four nicely dressed women was posted by Tim Berners-Lee, who was the inventor of the WWW World Wide Web. According to this, not... Al Gore is... (laughs) So... The four women belonged to an old female comedy band called Les Orbiels Cernet or the Horrible Cern Girls. The self described high energy rock band was formed by employees at Switzerland's European Organization for Nuclear Research or CERN. There you go. That's the first picture ever.
1: <laughs> That's where it all started, Jay. What a uh, interesting
0: piece of history. Yeah. So it's fun to do the first this, the first, you know, the first YouTube video, you know what that one was, right? No, he, it was a it, at it, No, close. It was um, the guy who built YouTube. I forget his name, of course. And he sold it, and he sold it way cheap. But he's still, I think, a multimillionaire now. But it was him at the zoo. Talk about the elephant behind him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, the internet never oh, forgets. So
1: yeah, the, the internet doesn't forget. If you put something out there, it can come back to haunt you.
0: Yeah, my recommendation, yeah, but- folks... If you don't want nude photos captured from the cloud, because hackers do that all the time. I don't know how they find them, but they do, and they do. Don't share nudes with anybody, let alone people that are going to be your exes, because bitter exes will expose a lot of their exes will be get exposed on the internet. It's 80s and 90s, you'd have to grab someone's videotape, right, <laughs> if they really did film it. It's just so much easier now. And to you young kids, listen, I'm telling you, I know you think that 17-year-old boyfriend that you have now is the guy that's going to be with you the rest of your life. He's sharing those pictures with his buddies. So that's my fatherly advice. Okay. The next one, online cookies. You've heard of these, Jay? Do you know what yeah. they are exactly? Do you know how they work? Here's a little tutorial on how they work. Are more formally called HTTP cookies. So a cookie is a small piece of
1: data from a specific website that is stored on a user's computer while they're browsing the web. And they can have many functions, such as keeping track of a user's browsing activity in order to serve up targeted information, such as ads for goods or services. This is why when you're browsing Amazon for a Halloween costume for your dog, you might see ads for more dog costumes on Facebook later that day. Why would they call cookies? I'm not sure.
0: Have you ever been on a website, Jason, where it asks you to allow or reject cookies? It do the every page does that now. It's so irritating. So, well, they're asking permission to monitor your online activity. So, I don't know. Is that good or bad? That's yeah,
1: great. I think there was, there was a rule that they had to now ask. It's fine, but if I'm to if
0: I, I yeah. say no. It's, it's almost irrelevant. Do I have- because you're going to – here's the thing. If you say no, you're still going to get recommendations from something somewhere. I always just say, well, if I am looking for Halloween costumes for my dog – Anyways, and I might as well just see ads on it. Anyways, (laughs) like whatever. Sure, it's in my wheelhouse of things I like. At least it won't offend me. It won't surprise me. Ads are just part of the reality of the internet. The same way they're at. It it basically ads on your internet are the same as ads on TV. But you could just argue at least they're geared towards you. I mean, that's not horrible. (laughs) They're going to exist, anyways. When you watch TV, you, know, you get that car commercial or whatever, or retirement plan commercial or whatever. It's like this does not apply to me, you know. But so you can argue. At least the internet, for better or for worse, is geared more towards you than a TV program,
1: right? I, I guess the, the only thing is, is can these cookies make you more vulnerable to other things? Whether it's the cookies tracking you or is something else track
0: you're being tracked. You're so, yeah. Specifically, cookies are designed. That's. Their official design is that it tracks your interests so advertisers know how to get you to get more stuff. Right. right. So video conferencing,
1: webinars, chat apps, they obviously are an extension of uh, the internet doesn't forget. There's always room for more. to come back to haunt you, right? We all are familiar with Zoom. Whatever happened to Skype? Like, is Skype really still a okay? yeah, thing? Skype that's weird that is. Zoom came in and I think oh, Zoom is just-
0: a better quality. I think Skype still kind of remains free because back in the day, I think it's still that case. Like If you have a Skype app and I have the Skype app, but I don't think it's as audio friendly. It's a little clunkier. I think Zoom is a little bit more sleek and and uh, finessed. The reason why Jason and I use Discord is because Zoom, even now, used to be if it was a one-on-one call, like just me and you, our early episodes were like this, it was unlimited one-on-one chat. But now Zoom has even taken that away, that two ends after 40 minutes, let's say, so... I guess supply and demand and Zoom realized, hey, we can get more money than they have. You know, of course, of COVID, a lot more Zoom calls and a lot more Zoom meetings. Well, yeah, meetings. I mean, doctors. Yeah. So many appointments. One good thing about COVID is having the doctor's appointment over the phone. Much easier. The whole having to go to the office just to renew your medication is a little silly. It is. That is a
1: silver lining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: still trying to think of the others. But we, that we should one do is. a worst of the best of a COVID uh, – <laughs> COVID silver linings? COVID silver linings. What has well, That's one. <laughs> we got one down. The, the wait time in the doctor's room is less now because we're just – I just need to re- – like, hey, the medication I've taken for 25 years, yeah, it ran out. Thanks.
1: <laughs> I have that call tomorrow, Ryan. There you go. My day off, I got a four-hour window blocked for that
0: uh, three-minute conversation with my doctor.
1: Yes. say, yeah, the medication I've had for the last
0: however many years – why are doctors so and incapable of it. knowing the window of anything? It's always amazing. I don't they know. They should just have – yeah, I know. Because <laughs> their day has to end at some point. They should literally just yeah. say, hey, I got a wart removal. The doctor said like, no, yeah, 10 minutes, in and out. I know what wor- how long they take. Great. Sure, give a five-minute buffer. Next, medication refill. That should literally take five minutes. Good, everything's good, no problems, no change, great. Why is it always such a – every day is like a shotgun – or it's always, it's, it's always surprise. a surprise and a mystery. Yeah. Oh, you think they would know at some point between the patients they have, the repeating customers that they have, and really what the appointments are for, how long things will take. Like even the mechanic shop will at least tell you, Hey, it takes this long to fix the brakes. At some point, don't doesn't the doctor just know how long something will take? Why is everything a mystery? <laughs> Doctors are the biggest scam in the world. I just, there's something going on here. It doesn't make sense. It's anyway. funny.
1: Let's Are, get back to Zoom calls. Yeah, well, these Zoom calls, I mean, if, first of all, you're inviting people into your, your space, right? And they could be strangers. You're inviting the doctor if you're doing a Zoom call into your home, or you forget to turn off your Zoom call, or you thought the Zoom call was finished.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> like, Have you heard about some of this <laughs> stuff? Have you heard? Oh yeah. I think
1: that guy from <laughs>
0: CNN, Ruben. <laughs> people have literally, like, mom, plug your ears. He pleasured himself right, right when the meeting ends. <laughs> Come on. His camera still on?
1: <laughs> After we have our little...
0: Sure. Turn you know, off the mic, right, move wait, the camera.
1: I, I unplug the USB right away. You've always heard the stories, right? Put tape over your laptop's camera yeah, or... Or just
0: close your laptop. For me, I have a laptop, so I just close it. I just close the laptop, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but even if you... Well, you got to have the laptop open to, to use it. So, like, put oh, the tape, sure. tape over because you might be... Uh, I, I don't know how easily it is to tap into somebody's camera, but I'm sure it happens all the time. And I'm Apparently, sure more-
0: okay, no. So, so now we're talking about, yeah, so hacking in. Oh, so we're talking about privacy, yes. So despite yeah, the Zoom calls and everything, everyone has a webcam now. Yes, people can hack into cameras. Apparently, it's very easy to hack into people's cameras. So that is a real thing. Yeah. If you don't want anyone to look at your cameras, either close your laptop or put your camera facing down. Put it on the desk next to your whatever. Take it off your whatever it is. Because apparently it's very easy. And there are Reddit websites or 4chan websites. I have not been to them. I just know they exist through my other podcast listening. And you just do a quick Google search, my friends. You'll see that I'm not wrong. That there are hacked camera Sites and you can uh, actually no. I've been to one. I forget what it's called. It was pretty innocuous. I have been to a site that did this because I couldn't believe when I heard when I first heard about it. It was pretty innocuous, but it's real. You can look at it, it's literally set up like a almost like a Netflix of just people's home cameras, and you can click on their cameras. Like it's real. Yeah, this is like ten years ago or something or, or seven years. Well, ago. it's going to be worse
1: now. I, I talked to a guy that was doing computer science in university and stuff, and he was telling me. He says everything. Everything. People's bank accounts is easy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about surface layer stuff here on this, but uh, this conversation, this guy says everything's on the dark web. Every single thing that you think is locked up and safe, including your bank information, is completely open and available on the dark web.
0: Yeah. Have you ever been to the dark web? No, I haven't. I don't even know how. How do you get to the dark web? I, I don't know how. I don't want to. I've heard everything is pretty... <laughs> the dark web's like the Ouija board of the internet. Yeah. It's kind
1: of like it's there, but it's scary, but maybe...
0: I've also heard it's, it, not it, as, <laughs> it's not as... It's just like there are things there that you can, yes, from purchasing illegal weapons, right, to obviously very horrible things. But it's almost like once you're in it, you sought to know where to go. Yeah. It doesn't work like a Google search engine. And I forget what it's called, but some sort of key. Actually, and and my understanding is going into the dark web or under whatever it's called, the dark web, it's actually not illegal to go into the dark web. It's just you will see illegal things if you're there, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I have no interest. I don't care. Yeah. Okay, the next one GPS tracking hinted at this, you know, even if you're carrying your phone, don't think it's on, even if you turn on the airplane mode. So what is GPS? Well, it's an acronym for Global Positioning System. Given that it is available globally and is powered by world satellites, people rely on it to travel anywhere they want. We've all used GPS in our car, of course. And I actually have, my wife and I, we share our GPS on our phones so we can see where each other is or on the road or what have you. So GPS is the modern day directory, only that, that it is more advanced And anyone with a smart device can use it. The concern is privacy is absolutely thrown out the window. When using your smartphone, it is normal to see a prompt asking you, Application X wants to access your location, and you wonder why. Usually, authorities use GPS to locate people of interest and track their movements. But again, in that same spirit, we talked about this with that voice interception, malicious people can tap into their victim's smart devices and follow them wherever. They can even track their cars and other automobiles with simple GPS trackers. Simply put, Jason, uh, GPS and privacy just don't go together.
1: Ultimately, we just have to come to grips that people who would use this information are good, you hope, right? There's always the flip side to that coin, right? It's so a double-sided. You flip the coin and then there's the dark side to this technology that is available and that is, for whatever reason, people are gonna to want to use that information for something nefarious. Yeah. You're just basically living ignorantly if you think otherwise. Now, ISPs, Internet Service Providers, have uncontrolled privileges. So these people provide customers with an Internet connection you know, at a cost, so we all pay to use the Internet. The clients then use the Internet provided, like me and you, we're the clients, to serve, work, or entertain ourselves. But there's always a watchful eye. You can visit one site and are told you can't access it while your internet connection is on and working on that platform. That is probably because your ISP has blocked you from
0: accessing it. ISPs, the, the ultimate gatekeepers into your yeah on the web. Now, of course, people who want to do, well, illegal or whatever kind of activities, they have ways around this to scramble or what as they see it or oh, who want to operate nefariously on the internet. You can almost argue it's like, The government has given you permission to drive with the understanding that you're not going to run people over on purpose, right? So there is an agency in place where you're allowed to drive on the road with this license with the understanding that you'll use the highway properly. Well, think of the internet highway, the same idea. So these internet service providers, they are your government officials, so to speak, who are giving you the license to surf in their community. And they say, here you go. You're allowed to surf the net, but you have to obey the rules. Now, companies will also have isps for their companies or so the military has their own internet service and it's slow and clunky clunky and it sucks and we have it on ship we have it where we work if you go to a site obviously let's just say you know we're told you cannot obviously look at you know pornography that's it's a major rule breaker and you can lose your security if you do that but sometimes there'll be a site that is not like that you're not going to that but you'll click on whatever site google or whatever and it'll go and it'll come up and say this site's blocked so you'll get that block that ISP block and it always mm-hmm. makes you panic <laughs> cuz you're like I wasn't doing anything illegal everyone that who's listening to this podcast who's in the military I got a couple of friends listening to the show so they know what I'm talking about it'll be blocked but do so, it So. little
1: so you write down that web page. You go like, "What's that web page?" They won't let me go to. I'm gonna check that out when I get home. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll go check it out. Usually it's something like uh, what. Um, it usually blocks anything that has a streaming in it because of the bandwidth, right? So a lot of it's bandwidth it's blocking. Bandwidth. It's, it's not yeah. necessarily. They lifted the ban, but it used to be that Twitter was banned. Like you couldn't access oh. Twitter, but they've lifted that ban. But so there is an example. There's something that's safe to talk about. Now they just ban people on Twitter. The point is uh, that's how that can work. So the ISP provider, uh, it's usually it's a public company or whatever that you ask for. But I'm saying when you work in the military such an organization, they too will have blocks, things that you're right. not allowed to visit. It's a reminder that, yeah, everything you search for and do is being monitored. It's been recorded. So even though I went to the site, not, unbeknownst to me, I went to the site that was, I thought was innocent. The uh, government blocks is uh-uh-uh. And that's the same even that your home Network systems are the same thing. They are recording everywhere right. you go. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of remote desktop applications? Well, remote desktop applications such as TeamViewer and AnyDesk have been come extremely useful, especially after the pandemic rocked the world. They allow you to access your computer remotely, providing a good internet connection. This way, colleagues can work remotely, or you can access vital files and documents even if you don't have your device with you. This is obviously as expected. You must give up some privacy for these applications to function optimally. For instance, if you pair your computer with the colleagues for work purposes, the other person can access and alter most of the features in your computer, including those that are not work-related, even if the person you're working with pretended not to have seen something on your computer, they would have. So basically, I can look into your computer. So Jason, I can use something called TeamView or any desk where it's like, okay, we're working on this shared program together. Okay, I saved the file in this folder, Jay. You go look at it. You go look at it. But you're like, yeah, I'm going to go look at this other folder. Scam artists do this very – this is how they operate. So people that are, you know, those IT tech, your computer has a virus. Call us. Yeah, like I can't highly recommend enough. I can't think of the channel's name off the top of my head. But there's some really, really – you just go on YouTube. There are people who are so good at computer hacking – that they use their power for good, so to speak. And they will call these, and I hate to say it, they're often of Indian, uh, East Indian, these companies based in those countries. They actually will, they'll videotape. Have you seen these Jay? No. And so they, all. Oh, it's amazing. It is, I'll send you the link afterwards. Cause it's absolutely some sort of the best TV you'll ever watch. They will hack in. So they will act like the, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me out. And so, how yeah, yeah. they're so good at it, so they will allow the scam company to come into their computer, but their computer's designed to be a hacking. So they mirror it back because it's been open. They can they can now access your computer. Yes, and they destroy all their files. And you hear the, the person. What do you do? Stop! Stop! What do you? Why are all my? <laughs> it's fantastic because they're literally destroying their computers and they record it and their reactions. And they're so good at hacking. That they can go into the company's webcams and they will film live wow. their destroying of their company. Yeah, I mean that's
1: what people can do to us, right? We talked about our webcams. Right now, thankfully, Zoom these people and... are using
0: it for good, but that just right. shows you that yes, the same thing that these people use it for bad. So these companies will, and unfortunately, they do prey on the uh, the elderly usually. Yes, and they I do. know my computer doesn't work. Can you help me? You know, and it's unfortunate there really are a thorn in these company sides and they become so notorious these companies are trying to find like these scam companies are trying to find ways mm-hmm. to battle these hackers it's it's a fascinating drama on the internet on YouTube huh yeah
1: so I mean this is you know a good piece of information regarding how an adversary of whatever sorts and wreck company oh yeah yeah if they're they, they malicious you, you
0: could destroy something yeah. Sc- yeah like a law firm you could destroy all their files you know banking right.
1: let's say you're a high profile, you're being uh, convicted of something, and you want to wreck the lawyers
0: who are against you,
1: the prosecutors or whatever, you can have access to computers, wreck information or um, evidence against you or whatever, or at least make it more difficult. Interesting. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about this earlier with voice, just audio recordings, whether it's just an old school tape deck or whatever, but just the audio recordings. It's one of our biggest privacy invaders. And it's changed, you know, the history of audio recordings has changed. The technology has developed over the years, obviously, but people having conversations with their peers or family members that they thought were confidential, only Mm -hmm. for them to find what they said in the wrong hands or rooms. Sound recorders were initially created to help journalists record news and businesses attend to their customers. However, as time passed, malicious people discovered they could use these devices to extort or threaten their victims. You know, talking about journalism, we see that in journalism still to this day, right? You know, you journalists will buddy up to somebody and they want to glean information from them and they don't even really need to have a video of it. You can just have a small recording device, get information from that way. You have to always assume <laughs> Yeah, so like the video, you know, an app like say WhatsApp, you leave a little voice note. I mean, you you did uh, you know on Instagram this week, right, in our little Instagram group, you told the story about you meeting the Ultimate Warrior. Oh yeah. yeah. So instead of (laughs) instead of typing it all out, you just did a quick voice note to everybody, which was so much faster and easier than typing out all the information. Those voice notes, if you were to say something, you know. Sure. Off color or whatever. I mean, it could be an embarrassment situation. People could Something use that can as it yeah, yeah you,
0: Yeah. All right. Lastly, the big one, social media tracking. I mean, it almost speaks for itself. So this is the culmination yeah. of everything right, we just talked it, about. Video, voice, text It's all there, right? Yeah. As it stands, Jason, over 4.2 billion people worldwide use different social media platforms. The minimum requirement is an email address or a mobile phone number, but there is no limit to how much of of your privacy they can invade. For example, Facebook allows users to upload their pictures, post videos, and comment on other people's posts. While this might seem harmless, most users usually do not realize that it becomes easier to track by providing personal details. The more they post, the more they throw away their privacy. The sad bit is that once something appears on social media, it can never be deleted, even if you get the illusion that you've done so. There's always a way through which someone can retrieve your shared content The bottom line is that social media has no privacy and you can only limit how much you give away by not giving away what you don't give away. It's a fine line because I enjoy sharing keystone moments of my life or a cute picture of my kids and dog or you know, People say, well, why don't you just do it through email? Well, we just talked about it. It doesn't matter. All of this is tracked. All of this is hacked. So I just, I personally use Facebook or Instagram to share photos because it's like, I hear mom and dad, I hear brothers or friends that care. Here's a picture or here's an update. It's just easier to use social media. I could do it through a phone call or email, but guess what? All those things are just as hacked. There's no privacy. It doesn't matter. A phone call
1: can be recorded yeah. by the person on the other end. Yes. It can be intercepted. You know, your date and time and the person you called can be, will be tracked. You know, social media is a quick, clean way in which you can communicate a piece of information to multiple Instead of having 10 phone calls or write 10 letters and mail them all out or however you might do it. You know, even mail can be intercepted. You just do a close friends and family, you're gonna quickly be notified about whatever you want to update people on in your life. It's unfortunate that something that is so fun, positive experience has that little dark side to it. Yeah. And we all secretly ignore it, but we all know it's there. The world we live in right now, isn't it?
0: You know, it's before we pick our worst, now again if you listen to this for the first time, we put together a list of something that's the best, and you think, well, what's the best of this? Well it's these are the top ways that technology has destroyed our privacy. Those are, So these are the best bad ways. So we're going to pick what we think is even the worst of these things or whether the one thing that I think is the most unfortunate maybe or the one that scares me the most maybe. Or I, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along here. But. Or so, maybe
1: the one that doesn't concern you as much?
0: Well, I would argue well, that would be the best of the worst. Or, but we're, this is the worst of the best. This is the thing that if I could the pick the worst a, invasion of privacy. Well, for example, I'll say right now, like I can live with social media. I'm yeah, kidding. this is the least offensive to me. I've signed on the dotted line. I acknowledge. I made the Facebook account. I made the Instagram account. I made the Twitter account. So I right. fully acknowledge whatever I, I post on these socials, it's done. It's for anyone to grab and use against me. I acknowledge that. So I would say the worst thing is something like, "Ooh, I didn't buy into this. That's That's not something I'm crazy about so much as invading my privacy. I didn't sign on the dotted line, per se, as much. Okay before we pick the worst i hate that technology does provide so much great stuff like again me talking to my brother on the computer via the internet and having a fun time talking about this very thing it's fun like it's good to do i like that we can share it with our you know our few listeners that listen and enjoy our show it makes me happy knowing that we provide a little bit of entertainment for somebody on their drive to work or doing chores around the house like we're in their ear right now providing them a little bit of fun The only way we could do this is via technology, the internet, and all the things we've talked about. We couldn't just tape this to an analog tape and then disseminate it through some sort of monthly mail plan, I guess. That's ridiculous. How do we know how anyone could listen? It's only because of the internet we could even share this fun topic. And the irony is we're doing it with the very thing that we're talking about, technology that's destroyed our privacy. Uh, And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, I wish there was a balance between the days of yore where I didn't know everything about everybody, but at the same time I could do certain things like listen to music, watch Netflix. The convenience is nice. There's some things that I really do enjoy. There's some really interesting YouTube videos. Like there's some really great content. Learning I can learn. I've learned so much through audiobooks, and it just sucks that it has to be just as marred and crap as it is in goodness. It's just hard to navigate sometimes.
1: Yeah, I I agree with everything you're saying. I mean it's this double edged sword. We enjoy the entertainment. We enjoy the ability to communicate with friends and family there's for the most part most people are using these platforms to enhance or improve their life in some many of us just in small small ways i can quickly talk to my brothers i can quickly talk to my my children i can quickly send a funny little video to my kids yeah. you know we can all laugh and have you know shared experience you know all live different busy lives and we're all separated so that's how it's bringing us closer together but in the background we're being tracked by people who don't have our inter- best interests at heart. Yeah. They're trying to find ways to make money from us. It seems to be the number one thing, right? They're trying to find ways in which they can skim a little bit more money from people. And then our privacy is at risk in that process. So, yeah.
0: All right. you ready? Here's the uh, recap. Yeah, I am. Biometric scanners. Voice interception. The internet never forgets. Online cookies. Video conferencing, GPS tracking, internet service providers, remote desktop applications, audio recordings, and lastly, social media tracking. Jason, which one is the worst offender?
1: I think for me, it's the uh, internet never
0: forgets. Mm.
1: How many news do you have out there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Enough. But what I'm saying is,
1: is people
0: change. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I see where you're going. Yeah, go. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Right,
1: yeah. and good sometimes point. people make mistakes in front of live audience. Sometimes people make mistakes, misstep piece of communication. It's not interpreted correctly. You say something out of line that was a bad day, whatever it might be. There's no real way to backtrack. Mm. Go, no, 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 I didn't really mean it that way. I apologize. Or you caught me in a bad, a bad spot or whatever. Even if you think you deleted the video or the comment or whatever, there's somebody out there if they wanted to can. Luckily, my life isn't that interesting to really anybody. Right. I don't know if I'm somebody that would be of a target. But I kind of wish people could have a second chance in life at times. No, that's
0: fair. I like that a lot. It is funny how because it's recorded and I'm not that person anymore, let's say whatever that thing was, a statement, but I'm not going to be punished for it. 5 years later, 10 years later, 20 exactly. years later. Exactly. I'm weird.
1: thinking of you hear stories of people 10 years later and they're like when you were 17, you know, the person's 27, 28, they're like, "Oh, please." And, I- and then they said something at 17, 18 years old and they're being judged as an
0: 18-year-old even though they're 28. Yeah. I love those people, man. Like, you got me. And those people sitting there smarmy faces and they're sitting in the chairs like, "I've never done anything wrong. I just have to yeah, destroy. Yeah, yeah. My conscience
1: place. is clean and clear from the day I was born to today. Yeah, and I caught you. And then there's like these.
0: Yeah, like I'm telling you right now. If, in, if every one of my conversations have been recorded and replayed, yeah, I'm going to be in some hot water over the years with people, different people in my life. The thing is, is no one.
1: But we're all Guilty normal, of that. Yes, just some people get caught. Yeah, and I don't mean caught as in you know some people exposed should be caught or, right <laughs> bad way.
0: They're exposed,
1: and it's just like you caught me. Here's a 30 second clip. Out of a whole lifetime of... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, this is who I am out of 30 And
1: this, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Who, this defines me completely.
0: Yeah. But life is complicated. It's more complicated than that. 30 seconds defines that person to say, like, they said a bad word. Right. And that's who they are. They must be this way. But I love how everything else that they've done good in their life doesn't define them. If it's good, it doesn't define you.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's only if you if you misstep a, a word or a statement or a... a there's a video of me throwing an egg at somebody's house.
0: Well, you're that just a sense. mean, angry egg thrower. That's your whole. That's yeah, your,
1: yeah. It's like no, okay, no. I was I was 18 years old, and I was out with friends, and
0: we're being we're stupid and being silly. Stupid. I don't do that anymore. I think I think it is stupid and silly, but yeah, I did it. It's not who I am. <laughs> it doesn't define my 40 odd years of existence. Well, that's my pick. I like it. So that's that's good. Kind of ties into mine. Mine is uh, I did talk a little bit about my work, but with the internet service provider. I don't like that the people that provide me the internet get to tell me what I can and can't look at. Now, I'm not talking about Italy or even that they're, or they care. For example, I have a cable provider and I get to channel surf and nobody stops me from going to whatever channel. If I don't have that channel, I can't look at it, right? But there's no like, oh, you can't look at that channel. What are you doing? Or, for example, because I don't have a, what do you call it, a Nielsen rating box in my home, my cable provider doesn't even know what channels I watch. It doesn't know. It has no idea. I kind of wish the internet was like that.
1: As you're seeing that, it's like, okay, so one ISP provider or one internet service provider could allow you to access a a site. And then let's say you move to a different city or town and there's a different internet service provider. They have different standards or morals or ethics and they choose to block your ability to not have access to a site they used to have access somewhere else. And so these arbiters of truth and whatever... Are deciding what is acceptable for you to see or not see, based on I
0: don't know, but right. I guess you're saying for some reason TV shows the cable provider doesn't care what I watch, doesn't care what the age group of my family and my home is. What we you know like we can if it, the channel's there we pay for that channel we get to watch whatever program we want and there's no tracking system of that. But, sh- there's none. How would they know what channel I'm on? Nielsen rating boxes those you have that's why they have those because they monitor people's viewing habits. Have you ever
1: seen it, Nielsen's channel? Oxay, I don't know anybody that's ever had one.
0: What they do is they give it to groups of people: Hispanics, Blacks, Whites, male, female, age groups. So all the spectrum of age groups and race mm-hmm. is represented. That's why they could say uh, the Cosby Show was popular with Whites and Blacks. And then yeah. that's how they know is they have and they have that demographic. It's and they monitor like every data you use that Nielsen. Even if you don't use it, they'll know nobody's watching TV. What they do is then they just multiply it by. So if they say a hundred, a hundred eighteen to forty-nine year olds are watching Lost back in the day, then we can multiply that by the average homeowner with the average TV. Da da da. We can assume that twenty million people are watching. That's how they know. It's just it's it's a guesstimate with the Nielsen box. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me in an email that I'm wrong that they are able to check out my TV channels and that would be embarrassing. I'm just joking. There's nothing else.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. A lot of TV seems to be so connected with smart TVs nowadays. Maybe and, it's easier uh, now.
0: Maybe it's easier now because you can watch internet. you watch Netflix on your phone, right? So they can track that, I guess, right? But I'm talking about strictly the cable that goes into your TV when you just channel yeah, surf. Yeah. I don't think they can monitor. Ryan's home was watching hockey for three hours, and then he watched Survivor after. I'm 90% sure they don't monitor that data, unless you have the Nielsen box or whatever in your home, or the Canadian equivalent of that. Or, But let me know in an email or on our Twitter or whatever that I'm wrong about that. But at the end of the day, all the same. Internet service providers, I don't like the idea that I'm being watched in everything I type out. It's just like, it's kind of for everyone. I think everyone should have anonymous internet work. Now, criminal activity, I understand that. So, I don't know how you work around that. So, I, I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, they're just always, people are going to abuse the internet anyways. I don't know. So, it's creepy to me. <laughs> I find that one creepy. I know. Yeah, I feel enough. like that's the one I didn't sign up for. Like, even though I did. But you... That's part of... <laughs> yeah. Every
1: time you pay your bill.
0: I know. I know. It. I know. I like yours. Uh, so, I, I'd say yours is a good first pick. But this is kind of my honorary mention. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. So, remember, in front of every silver lining, there is a cloud. And today, it was Internet Service Providers... And the internet doesn't forget.
1: GammaGator Productions